Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Step It Up, Give Your Best, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on January 15th, 2017. Excited to be here. We're going to continue in our series that we've entitled uh, Step It Up. If you would grab your Bibles, your iPads, your iPhones, um, whatever you have God's Word on. I know in, a, in today's times we have this, these great tools that we can utilize as far as our electronics, our phones, and our iPads. So let's take advantage of that and let's open up God's Word this morning. I want to start off uh, with a question for you. I want to simply just to ask you, and it's rhetorical, so you don't have to stand up. I won't call on anybody's name. But uh, I want to ask you, what do you believe? What do you believe? And the reason why I want to ask you this question is because in just a few moments, we're going to read from God's Word, and we're going to hear God say some very, very, very powerful things. And when I say powerful, I mean that God is really calling upon us as His people, and He's challenging, and He's he's asking us some very specific things about our worship, and how we see Him, and how we view Him. So I think it's, it's, it's fitting that we start off our morning talking about what we believe. See, the, the basics of our faith are so important. The essentials of the doctrine of Jesus Christ are so important. What we get from God's word and understanding and knowing God's word is so important in our lives and how we'll live our lives based on what we believe. See, the Bible teaches us That there is only one God. See, we're not polytheistic in our faith. We believe that there is one and only one and only God. There is no other gods. Deuteronomy 4:35 says, To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. And it says, There is no other beside him. See, in this world today. There are many that believe that there are many gods out there. The God of the sky, God of the universe, God of the trees, the God of the water. But see, we believe that that there is only one God. And he is the living and active God. He is alive and he is at work in our lives. We believe that, that Jesus is the Messiah. That he's the savior of the world. That salvation only comes through the son of God, Jesus the Christ. See, there is no other way to God but through Jesus Christ. And that is a doctrine, that is a teaching that we do not sway from. That is something that we completely believe as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, that the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. You can't come through me You can't come through any man, but you can only come to God through Jesus Christ. See, in 1 Timothy 2, 5, it says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, and it is the man Christ Jesus. Then in John 14, 6, it says, Jesus said to them, these are Jesus' words, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
See, what we believe is we believe that salvation comes through Jesus Christ. So we have to understand what salvation is. It's the basics of our faith. And the most important thing that we can understand in our salvation is that there is nothing that we can do to earn this free gift that God has given us. So I can work really hard at, be- at being a really good person. I can do a, a whole lot of good things. But that doesn't mean that I'm saved. See, because the Bible teaches us, it, it's very clear in what salvation is. See, we are saved by God's grace. It's a free gift, and we can't earn it. In Ephesians 2, I love the book of Ephesians, by the way. So if you hear me quote it a lot, it's just because those first few chapters are all about God's grace. Great reminders for us. But in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. There's our part right there. A belief, a trust. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God and not a result of works so that no one may boast. See, if I could be the best person in this world, all I would do is run around and just show you how good I am. But because I cannot earn my salvation, because God has given me salvation, it is a free gift. He's loved me in my sin. There's no room for me to boast about myself but there is plenty of room for me to boast about my God and my Jesus Christ. See, these are the basics of our faith. And as we live in our faith, we have to understand the Holy Spirit also. And I think at times we as Christians forget about the Spirit of God. We forget that God has left us this helper, this comforter. It is His Spirit that works in us and through us. And as believers, we have access to God's Spirit. See, at that moment of salvation, we receive God's power through His Holy Spirit. See, these are the the basics of our faith. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely, given us by God. See, God reveals to us not only his word and the things that he desires for our lives, but he empowers us. He gives us the strength. It's by his might, by his power to overcome, to live the life that he has called each and every one of us to live. See, these are what some would call the basics of our faith. There are a few others that we simply understand and and know to be true, and we don't sway from these things. We don't move away from these things. We, We believe in them to the degree that we trust in them wholeheartedly. And I think it's important before we read what the prophet Malachi says to us, the message that God has given him for us, that we understand this and that we believe this. Because if we truly believe these things, our lives are going to be completely different. The way we live each and every day will be completely different than if we didn't believe these things. See, we have to understand that there is one God who exists in three persons. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is why we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
See, they are all co-eternal and of the same nature. There is no other God that we should worship. When I was a kid, I, I wanted to be a, a really good wrestler. You know, I'm little, low to the ground, so I can, I can get in there pretty quick, you know. I loved wrestling. I really did. I, I really enjoyed it. So I was excited when I finally got to high school because they talked about, you know, being a state champion and all doing all those accolades that come with being a a really good wrestler. So I I was excited to go into high school and wrestle. So my freshman year, I get there. And of course, I'm just like any other kid. I thought I knew it all already. I had it all figured out. But what I was excited about is I wanted to do these fancy moves. You know, the real creative throws, all those cool things that you hear about. And you see other college athletes do and I remember the first couple of practices all we did and if you know wrestling a little bit I'll give you a little bit of background all we did was single legs and double legs it's a very basic part of wrestling a single leg and a double leg but for me as a a young man a guy that wanted to be the best at what he could do I thought to myself why in the world are we just doing single legs and double legs? Why are we, we focused on just such basic stuff that I learned in first, second, third grade when I was a little kid? And I actually, actually went up to my coach one day and I said, hey, he says, this is, I said, this is all good stuff. But man, I, I want to learn some fancy throws. You know, I want to I do what the college guys do. I want to do what the, you know, the real wrestlers do. You know, his response to me was just simply this. He says, Floyd, he says, you don't need any of that other stuff. All you need is the basics. If you've mastered a single leg and a double leg, then you've got everything you need for this life. You've got everything you need to be a college wrestling champion. He says, let's focus on the basics. Let's master the basics. In our passage today, God is telling us simply that. He's saying, I have given you the basics of your faith. And I need you to focus in on the truths of what I have given you. And I need you to master that. And together, as we go on this journey, I want to challenge you to think about the words that we will read here in just a few moments in Malachi. And let's look to master and truly understand the foundation of our faith the truths of what we believe as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. Master the basics. Understand them. Know them. Believe them and trust in them. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning for all that you are. Father, you are worthy of our praise. Lord, as we open up your word, Lord, let it be your voice that we hear this morning. Let it be your spirit that stirs our hearts and opens our eyes and gives us the clarity to truly understand what you are saying to us this morning. Father, I know that there are many here that that struggle in the aspect of, of even just knowing and trusting and believing. Lord, there are moments in my own life that I struggle with that. But Father, we came here this morning, we have come here this morning to know you more, to discover the things that you have for us, Father. 
And Father, we, we come for the hope that you promised us in Jesus Christ. So Father, thank you for that. Thank you for all that you are, all that you're doing, and all that you are going to do. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your love for us. And we do it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, if you would look at uh, Malachi chapter 1, I'd like to start reading in verse 6. And we're going to read 6 through 14 together this morning. Verse 6 says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then, I, if then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts. And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. Such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is. And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick and this you bring is your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Well, there's a lot of things that we can gain from this passage here. But I want to focus in on three things that we can do to step it up, to give our very best to God to offer him the things that would be pleasing to him and deserving of who he is as the God that we believe him, the one true God. The first thing is that we have to have a faith that we own. We have to own our faith. It has to be our faith, something that we believe and trust in. Right away, you see God in verse 6 and 7. He says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts. O priest who despise my name, but you say, How have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, How have we polluted you? by saying that the Lord's table may be despised. 
Do you notice here that, that God takes it immediately to a, a personal level? See, this is a good reminder for you and I that, that our faith, when it's our own, it's a personal thing. It's a relational commitment to God. And because of that, God deals with us on a personal level. He speaks to us personally. He uses the power of his spirit to, to help us to understand the things that he desires for us the things that he wants us to do and the way he wants us to live so that we might honor him and glorify him in everything. See, it's all for his glory. And God gets right to the point here. See, we have to ask ourselves, if he is our heavenly father, why do we not honor him? If we call him our master, why do we not serve him in fear? And reverence. See, I'm not asking you that question, but God is. God is saying, hey, if I'm your father, why don't you honor me like a father? You know, I'm a daddy. I've got a 19-year-old son and a 17-year-old daughter. Beautiful kids, great hearts, very kind and compassionate. But even in that, they dishonor me at times. There's moments when when they push back so hard that I think to myself, what in the world are my kids doing right now? They know better. Of course, I'm not God and I don't say, do you not know that I loved you? (laughs) But at the same time, I understand what God is saying here. I get the the aspect of being dishonored when you expect honor because of the things that you've done for those that you love and care about. See, God is the one true God. He is the only God. And he deserves our honor. He deserves our reverence. And God is reminding us of of that here and it's a reflection it's a reflection of how we worship him and we should ask ourselves how is our worship every single day and it doesn't mean how well do we sing as we're driving down the road in the car see because our worship just isn't about singing a song or listening to a song of praise our worship is a reflection of our lives. Our worship is about what we give in honor to our God and how we serve in reverence to who He is. And yet at times, we, we offer God a polluted worship, a deluded worship. And I, and I say that not to say that, that I, I'm pointing the fingers at anybody in this room, but I'm saying that because as a people of God, as, as God's children, we should all ask ourselves that question. How is our worship today? What does it look like? How am I honoring my God, my Father, the Lord of hosts? See, it's us expressing our affections towards the one and only God, the creator of all things. I'll tell you a funny little story real quick. I'll make it real short. So I love to sing in the car. 
So if you ever see me on the road and you see my mouth moving, I'm singing. <laughs> I love to sing in the car. I love to sing God's praises. Well, one day I'm driving down the road and, and I'm singing away, you know, the music is loud. I'm even louder, you know, I'm singing, driving, all happy. And for whatever reason, my, my sight went from the road to look down at my phone that was on my little dash panel right there. And I realized that I had made a phone call um, to somebody, a neighbor, and uh, he heard me singing my praises to the Lord right there. I know that doesn't have anything to do, but I just thought I'd tell you, I'm human just like everybody else. But it was pretty funny. I hung up the phone, and I've never made mention of it to him, and he has never made mention of it up to me. <laughs> so I don't know what happened there, but hey. Uh, but it's us expressing our affections to God. No matter who's listening, no matter who's around, we honor God with our worship. Listen to what Jesus says. Flip over to the, the Gospel of Matthew. One more book over. Matthew 4. Sorry, I put a clip here on blocked mine. Let me get this off here. Matthew 4. And these are the words of Jesus. I want you to listen to what he says, starting in verse 8. I want you to think about this as you hear these words. He says, again... The devil took him. It's when the devil was tempting Jesus. He says, The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. The devil is asking Jesus for his affections, for his love. And listen to what Jesus says to him. He says, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. See, there's an interesting point here in this passage in Matthew And I think we should pay close attention to it because Satan has just offered Jesus all of the things of this world. He took him to the highest mountaintop and he probably gave him these visions of all these riches, all of these things. And he says, if you worship me, if you give me your affection, if you give me your love, I will give all of this to you. And I think it's, it's, it's appropriate that we acknowledge this passage for ourselves personally because isn't that what the devil has done to each and every one of us? I'm just, I have to think in my own life that there have been moments when Satan has offered me the things of, these world, of this world. There have been moments when I've been, in, been given opportunity, as we would call it, to have an abundance of of money and wealth and fame and fortune, a great job, a great career, a lot of these things. And it's, it's interesting how Jesus responds because he's pointing to the things of this world and he's saying that, that, that there is only one God and he is the only one that is worthy of our praise, of our worship, of our service. 
See, if we believe what we believe, if there is one true God, then wouldn't it be just that we would have the same response as Jesus? That we would worship him first and foremost? That we would turn from the things of this world and not let them become our gods? See, because most of us, we don't think that, that uh, you know, our, uh, our Dallas Cowboys, since they're playing this afternoon, hey, that's not nice. Remember, you love Jesus, so you love everybody. Right? The Bible says it, not me, you know. Just consider the Cowboys as your neighbors, okay, because they are right next to us. Texas, you get it, right? All right, back to the word here. But, <laughs> but you get these things, and you end up, giving them so much of your affection, so much of your time, and so much of your energy, and they become gods to us. And we're all guilty of that. We have all been guilty of giving over our love and our affections to things that are inanimate, that don't mean anything, when we should truly be giving our love and our affection to the God that created us, the God that loves us. See, we end up dishonoring God through our lives. We pollute our worship by coming and being half-hearted in our worship. And and our worship is more than just a few songs. Our worship is, is our study of God's word. Our worship is seeking God, getting in the presence of God, praying to God, spending time with God, acknowledging God, honoring God, giving to God. All of those things. Charles Swindoll. I don't know if you younger generation know who Charles Swindoll is. If you don't, then I'd encourage you to Google him. Great man of faith. He says it like this. He writes, Some of us would love to buy $3 worth of God. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. See, I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not new birth. I want a pound of eternal in a paper sack. I want $3 worth of God, please. I don't know about you guys, but there's moments in my life where I'm guilty of that. I really am. See, but God has so much more for us. God desires so much more for us. And if we want to honor God with our worship, then we have to do the next thing. We have to give God priority. He's got to be number one. He's got to be our priority. Look what it says in verse 8 and 9. It says, When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept that from you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? I want you to underline this first part of 9. It says, and now entreat the favor of God. Now seek the favor of God. Pray for the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. Because with such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you? Says the Lord of hosts. With a half-hearted worship, 
When God isn't the priority, do we expect God to find favor in our lives? When we're offering him a polluted offering? See, these people, the Israelites, were more concerned with keeping what they had. It was all about self. They had come to a place where they started to feel good about what was going on in their lives and they stopped trusting God. They stopped giving God the worship that he deserves as the one true God. See, the reality of this whole book of Malachi is that the Israelites, their hearts, they weren't in it anymore. They weren't into worshiping with God. They weren't into gathering in the temple and praising God and offering their very best. They didn't see it as a priority. They didn't give God priority. I don't know about you guys, but when I read Malachi... I'm challenged in this. God just like grabs my heart and he says, Floyd, there's some areas in your life where, where you can grow in this. There's been moments in your life where you've, you've given me what you think is a sacrifice, yet it isn't a sacrifice at all. It was too easy. See, if I'm going to live the life that God has called me to live, then I need to be accountable. I need to give God the priority in my life. This is what it looks like here in Galatians 2.20. If we make God our priority, if he is truly number one in our life. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. See, that that hits on all the foundations of everything that we believe. Jesus Christ, the one and only way to God. Jesus Christ, our salvation, dying on the cross, shedding his blood so that you and I can have eternal life. We die to ourselves just like Jesus died for us. And now the life that we live, this new life that we have been given, not because we're good enough, not because we've done enough, but because of we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for my sins, that he loved me so much that he sacrificed his Son so that I can have eternal life. And because of that, I will give God priority in my life. See, the Bible teaches us that a faith without works is what? It's dead. There's no life in that faith. There's no fruit that is is being born through that faith. But again, it, it starts here. We have to give God the priority. I put some questions there in your notes and I want you to think about these questions this week and I want you to ask yourself in an honest way, I want you to pray through these questions this week and they're very simple, easy questions but they're very convicting and challenging questions. The first thing is, do I give God my best? And this includes 
your love? Are you offering God your best love? Are you offering God your, your, your time? Are you offering God your money, your finances? Are you trusting him in that area in your life? Am I giving God my very best? The other question is, do I give God first? How do I start my day? How do I start my week? Is God the first thing that I think of when my eyes open up in the morning? Is he the one that I, that I give my first and everything to? I mean, we can start on Sunday mornings. We, we have well over 200 individuals, young and old, that call Sol Rio Church their home. We have hundreds of thousands of individuals in our city and state that call Jesus their Savior. But the question that we have to ask ourselves, are we giving an offering? Are we offering ourselves? Are we giving God our very first? And what does that look like? Well, I say it begins starting off the beginning of the week, gathering together as the body of Christ. But if you look at the statistics, we're offering him half-hearted worship. Because right now, in our current day, the average Christian goes to church less than two times a month. See, and the Bible is very clear. Why do we go to church? Why do we gather together as the body of Christ? Well, I'll tell you, it's not for you. Because if you think it's for you, then I'd kind of re-examine this passage in Galatians 2.20. I'd re-examine the aspect of what Jesus teaches us about what it means to love one another. See, you're here for each other. You know, and it's more than just listening to, to Floyd talk for a half an hour to 40 minutes. It's more than just singing some songs. It's so that we can stir one another up. See, we gather together to, to stir each other up in the faith, to help each other grow in our faith, to step it up. See, that guy right there, he probably couldn't have made it up that rock without that other guy. And, and let's say he could have. Let's say he did. Let's say he made it to the top all by himself. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I, I've been somewheres all by myself. And I tell you what, it's no fun. <laughs> it's lonely. The aspect of that solitude is unhealthy. You know, there's, a, there's an acronym that I learned a long time ago. Some of you may know it. it it's called uh, when the devil hits you, H-I-T. Usually the devil hits you when you're hungry. You know, you feel weak. It's kind of like those guys that, that use the excuse because their blood sugar's low and they haven't eaten dinner so they can be mean to you. You know who you are. <laughs> Sorry. I'm looking abroad here. And then there's the I, the isolation. We isolate ourselves, right? We disconnect from others. We don't go to a small group or we don't come on Sunday mornings or we don't go to a, a ministry where there's a women's or a men's Bible study or a men's breakfast or whatever it is. All those opportunities that we have to connect together to help each other step it up. 
We isolate. See, we don't want to do that. We don't want to give the devil an opportunity to divide us. We want to let God bring us together. We gather in Jesus' name. And it's more than just to to hear someone talk for 30 or 40 minutes. It's about coming together and getting to know each other and helping each other step it up, helping each other grow in our faith and understand so that God is always the priority. You know, the statistics should show that, that not only do Christians gather together every week, every week of the year, 52 weeks, but they're also gathering together throughout the week. They're meeting in homes and at coffee shops and all over the city. And I know we do that. But for whatever reason, the statistics, they don't prove that. You know, all these empty chairs in here, that doesn't prove that. It doesn't show that, that we're, we're putting God as a, as a priority. And God is reminding us to do that, to put him first. The third thing here is that that we should ask ourselves is, do I give sacrificially? Is it hard to give? We hear the story of the widow and the mites, how she gave all that she had. I say that's a story of sacrificial giving. She trusted God. She had what we would say is is nothing but a, a few mites. And she gave sacrificially. And I'm not just talking about our finances here. Though we do need to give. We do need to give our tithes and our offerings and we need to give it with generous hearts. We need to give it with the right hearts. But I'm also talking about our love. Do we, do we sacrifice our love for one another? Do we, do we sacrifice our time for one another? Again, it, God's message here, this, this challenge through Malachi, if we, if we look to it and we trust in it and we believe the foundation of our faith, then this will change us. It'll change how we live throughout the week. It'll change the reason why we get up in the morning. And it wouldn't be just for the hopes of the Cowboys winning this afternoon. I know, Stop. Remember, I'm your neighbor too, so you have to love me even though I love the cowboys, all right? But the reality here is that by the power of God's spirit, we believe that God has given us the spirit, that he will help us to change, that he will help us to put him as the priority in our lives, and our lives will be a reflection of that. When George Barna puts out his little surveys and and we read them, we'll see something completely different if we truly believe this. If we start living it and letting it be a reflection in our lives. But if we want God to be the priority, we have to know and we have to trust in his greatness. It's full circle. It has to come back to knowing that he is God. Look at verse 10. God says something, I don't know, pretty powerful. He says, Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle a fire on my altar in vain. See, because I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. See, verse 10 should cause us all to sit upright. Right? 
She kind of said, whoa, what did God just say? Did he just say that he would rather that the church doors close than us come half-heartedly in our worship? To give things in vain without a generous and a right heart? That's what I read here. That's what I believe God is telling us. Then if you look at verse 14, he says, Cursed be the cheat who is a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. He says, For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. God is telling us something here. And I hope you see it. Because if you do, I believe God will change you. God will change us as the church, as the body of Christ. God will help us to become something that will honor him and that will show that he is truly the God of the heavens and the earth, the God that created us, the only one true God that is alive and active. And if that happens, there is no other thing that we would desire or even want to do but to give God our very best. Am I right in saying that? Is, do you see that in here? I hope you do. See, God desires our, our very best. God deserves and he is worthy of our very best. We don't just sing the songs because the words sound cool and the music is good. We sing the songs because we believe it in our hearts. Because we believe it with everything that we have and everything that we are. And if that's not the case for you this morning, if you don't believe it, I would ask you to. I would ask you to take a step of faith and believe that in your hearts. Know that God is the only true God and that he is worthy of all of you. And if you do that this morning, if you take that step, if you bow before our God and King, I want you to know that God will change you. He will change your hearts. He will change your life. You will have a better life than you had before. Jesus promises us that. He says, I've come not to give you life, but life more abundant. He says, the devil might be showing you all of these wonderful things that the world has to offer, but that just leads to death. Because the devil is a deceiver. He's a lion that prowls around and he tries to kill and destroy. He tries to deceive us with the things that will pull us away from God, pull us away from the basics of our faith and the things that we should trust in and believe in because God is God. And as he says here, I am a great king, the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared in all of the land. I want to end with this passage. And I end with this passage because I want us to know that, that I don't want us to be, and when I say the church, I mean the whole body of Christ. Because we have a role to play. Whether we, we worship in the same building or we don't, we have a role to play in those that we call brothers and sisters' lives. 
And we see them. We see them in the workplace. We see them in the city and when we do life. But I don't want to be this church because we believe that Jesus is coming back again. There'll be a day where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. We will sit in the presence of God. And when we sit in the presence of God, I cannot use the excuse that Joe Schmo over here didn't do his job and that's why I didn't do my job. I didn't give my best because Joe Schmo didn't give his best. See, God won't allow that to happen. The only thing that we can do is say, you know what, God? I gave you my best. And I hope my best was good enough. But if you look in Revelation chapter 3, it should be up here on the screen for you. This is God responding to the church that has given him half-hearted worship. He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot? So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I urge you, let's not be that church. Let's be the church that gives God our best. Let's be a reflection of the God that is worthy of our praise. And let's do it together. Let's do it faithfully. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that next week as we continue through Malachi, about being faithful to what God has called us to do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love. and Lord, we, we thank you for the message. So it's hard to, to think that we are, are wretched or, or pitiful or, or half-hearted in our worship. But if we're honest with ourselves, Father, if we really ask ourselves these questions, if we truly seek to honor you and glorify you in all that we are, if we have truly given up our old life for this new life that you've offered us, then, Father, help us to be honest when we respond. Help us to respond in a way that shows that, that we trust and believe in all that you are and all that you've done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. That this salvation has been given to us because you love us right where we stand. Sin and all, brokenness and all, foolishness and all. Lord, move us to truly believe, to truly trust, to truly have a faith that we own, that is a faith of our own. And not because someone else is saying it or doing it, but because truly you have touched our hearts and you are changing us. Father, we offer our best to you this morning. Whatever it is, Father, we give it to you this morning. And we ask that you would help us to grow in this, to, to give you even more, to give you even better to be guided by the power of your spirit, to walk in steps so that we would bear the fruit of righteousness, of holiness as we serve you and live for you. 
Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for your words this morning. Thank you for moving us from a place of complacency to a place of worship. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.